Thanks for tuning in. Today on this No Star Podcast, I'm sitting down to talk to Arik Ray. I've gotten to know him over the years, and he is an interesting guy who has a lot of thoughts about a lot of things. You never would think it. When I first met him and he came on the podcast, he was introducing children's books, and that was awesome. But in talking to him more, he has some really deep thoughts. Today we're talking about, this is just a sample of some of the stuff this guy thinks about and sends me. We're, we're going to start with aliens. Uh, then we're bouncing over to robots and the metaverse, BCIs, the James Webb, uh, Lysium movie trailer, hypersonic waves, bringing woolly mammoth and extinct species back, cell reanimations. There's quantum physics. There's just so much with this guy. And he brings it up, not just like says it once. He, he can go on and on and on. And today what he's going to do is he's going to give us a synopsis on just these things. And we'll see what people think. If people want to learn more or hear from them about different subjects, let us know. Uh, the podcast is here to service everyone. And people around here talk about a lot of this stuff. And Eric's willing to sit in front of a camera and do it. So here comes his podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Eric, welcome back to the podcast. Great to see you, Rich. Glad to be here. We're not talking about children's books today. We're talking no. about all kinds of stuff. <laughs> in the intro, I just rattled off our, our list. Dude, you think a lot. Like a lot. I, I had no idea. I thought maybe you were just kind of a typical Nosara, old Floridian, kind of stonerish kind of thing guy. You're deep, man. You got a lot to say. Thanks. Like a lot. Thank you. Well, let's get right into it. So Definitely. first things first, we're going to hit aliens. And we need to start here because it's, uh, it's gaining popularity we have all the stuff going on with Tesla and just everything. Like everything's gaining popularity, space travel. But let's just go to the start of things. Aliens, pyramids, Stonehenge, Atlantis, all that type of stuff. Take us from there. What's your opinion? Yeah, I think that the reality of it is, is that the, the universe is expanding. We have every star in the sky is a sun. We've already identified that there's multiple planets that exist within the Goldilocks zone of those stars. Goldilocks zone is where a planet can sustain water, the environment for water to exist. Um, you look at the James Webb t uh, Space Telescope and the pictures that are coming from that showing that there's even more massive amounts of swirling stars further and further out into the galaxy as you go. And I just think that to, to think that, that we are the only singular living, existing, intelligent life within this massive amount of expanding planets is egoistic and wrong. I mean, <laughs> so it's a strong yes. Yeah, it's a strong yeah. There's a high, high, high probability that there's other intelligent life out there. Got it. Now, do you think that they're involved with things like the, the pyramids and Stonehenge and Atlantis and all this type of stuff that you hear about? Like, I think that of unexplained, of like when you're talking about ran like random unexplained phenomena, like when you talk about the pyramids, I always think of the pyramids and I look at it as a phenomena of the human animal in this, in, of the human phenomena in the sense that you look at multiple invention. Well, the pyramids are very similar in different spots of the world. Different right. Multiple invention is where, right, exactly, is where technologies have occurred over different parts of the planet at the same time. And if it's happening on Earth on a micro scale, then when you look at things on a macro scale, you assume that wherever, if we're advancing into space at this point, other civilizations would be advancing right. into space. So simultaneous innovation and, and whatnot. Simultaneous. Is that the right term for that? No, it's, 
It's mo- well, it's simultaneous invention. Oh, all right. Well, That's so, it. And then the other title they give it is multiple discovery. It's okay, a theorem. So, so let me make sure I understand this right. So multiple discovery, in your opinion, there's a good chance that aliens were involved, but you're not saying specifically. I'm saying that I don't. I'm saying now, do I think aliens were involved when you look at the difference of uh, when you look at technologies that would have been needed to create some of the things that are on this planet, like huge structures, for instance, even more so than the pyramids. There are huge structures underground in parts of Egypt and the Middle East that the stone from that creation was identified as being thousands of miles away. And the the weight of the stones, the density of the stones, and the, the structures and designs that are existing and sculpturization that's existing underground, with our current technology, we wouldn't be able to do it, many experts would say. And so... When you look at those things, do I think there was an intervention at some point from an alien species like in our genome? Yes, that might have been what broke us from the the other animals. Do I think they're still around actively amongst us? I don't think so. I don't think they are now, and I I don't think they necessarily want to be until we create something that's going to be a threat to them. Gotcha. So you're you're not walking around saying that there's – Lizard people, aliens among us, all that type of stuff, men yeah, and black I don't, thing. Right. I don't I don't subscribe to like um secret societies and things. Like okay. All right, that. helpful. So moving on to our next one. Kind of uh sort of in the same vein as far as freakiness, robots. Um to Elon Musk just came out The Optimist. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, statements like by twenty twenty three the robot thing's gonna be bigger than the cars. Well, that, that's, you, that's pretty scary, man. I'm, I'm really scared of the robots and artificial intelligence. Like, what's your take well, on I that? Well, I think, I think artificial, I mean, I think there is, like, there, there is the possibility of an, of existential threat to human beings if artificial intelligence is left unchecked with, you know, resources. The artificial, and that's a possibility that even Musk talks about. Right. Okay. Th- you know, this concept of like a digital evolution occurring is a very real thing. In regards to like Optimus itself, I think that the, you know, the mind, well, I'm hoping, I'm praying that the minds that are creating these technologies are also have like the, the moral, ethical and foresight, you know, to also design them in such a way that we can keep them in check. And yeah, it has that, to be a button, right? Right. Well, like the Optimus, for instance, is going to, Optimus is going to be, about five eight, weigh about one hundred and sixty five pounds. Um, will be able to do whatever other people will do. Whatever people can do, it will be a robot that can do all of these things with its hands, mundane tasks over and over. But like one safety thing is, is a thing can only move like at a snail's pace, like a walk, a very slow walk. So we can get away from them. <laughs> so it's kind of like zombies, except it's robots. Right, but right, they're walking very, very slowly. But I mean, when you're talking about zombies, and once they get a, you know, it's not like they're all trying to eat you. It's that it's the idea that in this world right now, in this technology, you know, if we had a humanoid robot that could move very slow, then if there was some type of malfunction in the robot it's not going to you know pose a great threat of any no, sort. i got you i think the threat my my fear of artificial intelligence is being able to launch massive bombs everywhere all over the place with yeah well but i mean 
when you're talking about that, that's like the implementation of artificial intelligence in the mandate of our nuclear arms and our nuclear arsenal. Well, let's talk about that. So actually, even before we get to the nuclear stuff, or even if we get there, I want to ask you about the metaverse. Because that you, you see Facebook, people hear what's coming. You got to think military and scientists or whoever has been working on this stuff for a while. Well, yeah, What's your take on the metaverse? Is that coming? How big a deal is that? What does that thing mean to you? Metaverse is coming. It's coming. And it's coming you know, down the road in the next five, ten years is when we're going to really see the significance of it. You know, entities like Facebook... Apple, you know, Facebook acquiring Oculus, you know, like these will be Microsoft, Google. These will be the backbones that will create the, the, the metaverses that ex- exist and have existed for a long time. You look at Second Life, the old video game that came out in like the mid nineties. People have been living a second life within this artificial world for, for years now. You look at Roblox and all these things. But what's most interesting, I think, is that that's all for a consumer-based interaction, kind of like the movie Ready Player One. But um, the military, I just read an article recently about the military has developed like a complete map of the planet, more or less, that exists within a virtual world. They can take soldiers, put VR headsets on them, and put them in environments that are absolutely replicate what they're going to be in and they've been doing this for a while and those you know there's technologies and with darpa and everything there's technologies that we don't know about that are being developed but yeah the biggest player in the metaverse is the u.s military okay now tell me what bcis are you sent me an article BCIs are brain-computer interfaces. You want to talk about that for a minute? Brain-computer interfaces are the concept that it used to be very fictional and, and like, you know, fantastical of um, connecting your brain, being a mode of electrodes, connecting those sensory uh, actions to a computer. Now, and that's what brain-computer interfaces are. Now you have companies like Neuralink and Synergen, and you have companies out there that have created small chips that they have. They have different machines that do it, but like Elon Musk, Neuralink, who's probably been the most vocal about the whole thing and public about it. You know, he's developed a machine to install the Neuralink chips. These are, you know, probes that go into the brain. The chip gets locked into the skull and it makes you able to interact with a computer via Bluetooth or whatever other other form of non-wired communication they want to use. Your prediction is 5, 10, 15 years on that stuff? No, I think much earlier than that. I think I think just like with I mean, when I talk about the metaverse, the metaverse is because the reason I put it even that far out even taken into consideration, everything's moving exponentially. Technology, you know, what we've learned in the last, you know, five years is equivalent to what we learned in the previous hundred. You know what I mean? It's like, so everything's moving faster. So in, in two years, I might say that 10 year mark might be at a four year mark. You know, I don't know. But the idea is, is that infrastructure and that integration of the metaverse as being interactive to the point where people can exist on a on a you know a pad 
that will let them move around wearing a suit, a meta suit that it uses, you know, pressure to make them feel things within the metaverse mm. and a headset and like order things that get dropped off by drones in the physical world and things. For us to get to that point, that's going to take some time to build that, that infrastructure for it to be available to the commercial market. But BCI is here, man. Gotcha. They're already, they've already, they're, Neuralink has not started clinical trials yet, but there's other companies that are in their like phase two of clinical trials. Yeah. Stuff. So, so we'll pay attention to that. Yeah. Now you, the yeah. Elysium movie. The trailer that I saw. Yeah. The trailer that you sent over. When you sent me that, I thought for a second, I was like, made me think of that Jack Johnson song where it starts off, there's traffic in the sky. Yeah. And I was, it's like, that is sort of happening. And then you see it on movies and there's debris shooting all, all around the, the Well, earth. the, the reason I, I hit upon that is that the idea of an absolute class division, a socioeconomic class division between people where you have like, a, like a large, the largest portion of the population living on Earth in a environmentally degraded Earth, and they're still stripping what resources they can and producing things, and the one percent are living on a satellite in a, in like a pristine society, and in and with you know medical technology, like medical bays, they can lay down and rejuvenate their cells and whatnot. This is the movie happens in like 150 years from now. And the idea is, is that if all of these technologies we're talking about now about, I don't know, I think you're probably going to hear about like cell rejuvenation and, you know, mapping of the genome and brain computer interfaces and, you know, the Optimus robot who's going to have a very, very significant effect on the economy because it's going to allow larger corporations to purchase labor, which they couldn't do that before. They had to hire people. Now they can purchase a product that does the physical labor of those people. It's going to put a huge spin and it's going to change economics, global economics. That's what's going to happen. He's absolutely right to think that if he can produce these things and put them out, it's going to completely over, it's going to completely shadow the, uh, the, the car industry. So, um, but with Elysium is the idea that in the future, and you would, I think you would, you'll dig it when you see it, but it, that's just a movie that they, it, it came out in, um, 2013, I believe. And it's just, it was with Jodie Foster and, um, the other guy from Born Identity that I, that, that I forgot his name, but, uh, the, uh, it, it's that concept is what's explored in that. In regards to the, the space debris, it just shows another step like that. NASA just came out and Bill Nelson, and like I'm from Cocoa Beach, I talked about, which is where NASA is, Cape Canaveral and Cocoa Beach. But Bill Nelson, uh, who was an astronaut who became a very outspoken lobbyist and administrator of, of NASA, just put out a letter talking about the, the recent China launch that went up and fell out of the sky and debris fell in populated areas. And, and, you know, it was all covered up, real hush hush, and we talked about blah, 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 blah. But he put a letter out saying spacefaring nations need to, you know, need to be aware that they need to give all their information and trajectory to everyone so that we can prepare for this debris falling out of the sky. And 
I mean, it just shows you we are moving to this next step of human evolution where we're coming off the planet. Well, on that note, tell me about hypersonic weapons and what's your take on that? Hypersonic weapons are the next weapons race. And it, it's, it, it, you know, nuclear was the old weapons race. We have the nuclear situation we have now. But while nuclear is like an explosive power, is a force in itself, now you're talking about delivery, the changing of delivery. We've had interballistic missiles, intercontinental continental missiles and whatnot. But these things all move, you know, l less than the speed of, I mean, just over, uh, I mean, less than the speed of sound, less than the speed of light. Okay, now we've developed and they're developing, China has uh, uh, some, Russia has some, we're developing some. But these hypersonic weapons are missiles that get launched into, you know, the, the very near atmosphere and move at speeds Mach 5, Mach 6, far beyond the speed of sound, which makes current deterrent methods kind of void. And so what, and I just recently re learned about this too, which I think is very interesting, is what, wh what the U.S. military is doing to combat this is they've created, they're in the, you know, Raytheon Technologies is, is, is who's doing it, but they're, it's, they're using microwaves to create these, these like beams of energy that knock these missiles and drones and things like that out of the sky. Okay. It completely destroys like the, the electromagnetism of the, of the objects are not able. Those are just hypersonics are the next level of weaponry and we're in those, the way we're trying to defend. I get them. it. Now, what's your opinion there? Are you scared of it? Or do you think it's, it's something that's going to take the whole planet? We're going to blow ourselves up. Or do you think it's going to be controlled? Like what's your, what's your well, opinion? The, on the, U, the UN just, the UN like less than a week ago <laughs> came out. One of the directors of the UN came out and just put out an, a stark warning saying that, you know, we're very near the brink of like, nuclear catastrophe and nuclear annihilation and it's and the old players the old nuclear powers who were who were there it was a it, it was an existential thing it was every it was a deterrent everybody had it nobody would use it you know now with with what's going on in the ukraine and the war there's been a lot is coming out like would russia ever use limited nuclear powers and everything russia keeps saying that they would never use it that it's only for an existential threat to the russian empire now what would you define as a existential threat to the russian empire that's where the question of politics comes in but the thing is is if there were to be a nuclear holocaust it, it would wipe everything out and so nobody in their right mind wants it. But then you start looking at the reality that North Korea has nuclear capabilities. After Iran is now, you know, saying ever since they, Trump ended the Iran nuclear deal, Iran has been like, we're doing as fast as we can to get the energy, to get the, the materials we need and the technology we need and to, 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 um, I, I just had a brain fart, I forgot the word, but when you take uranium and you make it usable within a, a weapon, it takes a certain amount of time and, and technology and energy to get that, to get it into a weapon grade state. They're pushing on having that. So 
the biggest concern I think when it comes to nuclear, to the nuclear threat of the, of the planet, in my opinion, is that civilized nations to whatever civilization is, you know, where, like, you know, R- Russia, North Korea, different, they don't want to wipe out their whole, the, everybody on earth. But there are radical groups out there. There are what they would call terrorist groups now, but there are radicalized groups out there, some of which believe that wiping out everybody is the only answer to get things to where it's supposed to biblically be. And so, you know, the question is for me is just like the virus thing is like these technologies. And in my opinion, the virus, you know, COVID wasn't, was, it didn't just come up out of nature. It was something that was being developed. So whether it came out intentionally or not, that's a whole nother question, blah, 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 and politics. But these technologies are out there. Does the human animal have the ability to destroy itself? Yes. Will it intentionally? I pray no, and I believe no. But we have to keep ourselves in check. You know what I'm saying? And that's so, what it comes down to. To AI robots and everything. We exactly. Have to keep ourselves in check. Uh, humans aren't always the best at that, unfortunately. All right, next subject. You sent me an article on the woolly mammoth that they're going to bring back from extinction. Yeah. Do, do you think that trend's going to continue? Uh, are we going to be able to rebuild people essentially and if they do will they be alive like what's your thoughts on all that like i told you about my senior thesis and 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 i had talked about this back in 99 was they had assumed that they were going to have the human genome finished by 2013 they had most of it finished but then there was a, a a period of time where they just said it was finished but it wasn't fully finished and now just recently in the last i think like last year they have the full genome map so we're able, we have the technologies now with CRISPR to map the human genome and with CRISPR to, to manipulate the human genome, to change. So as we gather more and more information, you know, what's going to happen is, is that, yes, we will have the ability to completely, you know, the human body is interchangeable, replaceable, disposable. That's a fact. That's our physical objective existence. Okay? And everything about technology in my, in my belief is pushing us and pushing us and pushing us further away from the concept that, you know, we are a creation that is meant to follow these specific rules and guidelines and whatnot and, and so on and so forth. And now we're coming into this new, like, period of human awakening, if you will, that we're recognizing our physical selves are interchangeable, replaceable, disposable. At the very same time, we have a very limited understanding of the spiritual world. We have a very limited understanding of the, you know, of the, of human capabilities, both subjectively and objectively both internally and like emotional intelligence has just been recognized in like the last couple decades i mean it's like they're just recognizing the endocannabinoid you know system in our bodies from a medical standpoint you know this all goes into the idea of like ghosts and things like that and spirituality and everything else but yeah 
We just have, and I've said this before when we, when you first time you ever asked me about what I thought about aliens, I said, we don't have enough information to know. For anybody that just outright says no, I mean, you don't have enough information to do that. We just don't have enough information yet. And as we gain more, we're seeing that we are evolving to our technologies. So are you saying you think that this like extinct species are going to come back? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Getting back to the question. The, the, with the manipulation of the human genome, not with the genome structure in general, we are going to be able to re resurrect uh, uh, extinct species, extinct fauna, extinct different aspects of our physical world that we thought were gone, we are going to be able to bring back. Uh, what those implications will mean to science and society, you know, is anybody's guess. I hope guess. they don't bring back any of those pterodactyls because that's what... <laughs> right? That's the thing I'm most scared of. Big living, flying. living Jurassic. There's a reason why Jurassic Park is has such a successful franchise, man. And it's still going. Geez, and we're in Costa Rica, too, where they filmed the first they one. They filmed Jurassic, the original Jurassic Park here. All right. Well, as we wind this thing down, I want to bring it back to Nosara. Okay. There's a lot of hippie talk around Nosara. Not too much. Well, actually, we're getting a lot more scientific talk. Shout out to Dr. Vanessa Bezzi, Dr. Edgeworth, and other scientists who've come on. And all those scientists who came through for the human thing last year. Thank you all. I appreciate them all. Shout out to, to people who are... are doing math and using spreadsheets, but Nosara historically has got a real energy type of vibe, a real hippie type of thing. A lot of people come here and rename themselves. A lot of people come here to rediscover themselves. There's a lot of yoga teacher trainings. There's getting more and more into the psychedelics. There's just a lot of, I know hippiness sounds negative, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to say we're kind of in a hippie town. Well, it's, I think this area has, you know, a huge influence of like alternative medicine, alternative healing. We have a super strong organic network. You said here. that so much better than me. <laughs> We're going to have to have you introduce that topic because you did a great job there. So on that note, using your statement, <laughs> okay. what I'm trying to say is what makes this place what it is? I've had multiple guests on this podcast who you never would expect it fully say, there is some sort of energy or so I've heard the term vortex used multiple times. Right. There's a vortex here. I've been told it's off of Palata, other other stuff I've heard between like Garza. I hear a lot of Bermuda Triangle type speak right. uh, from various people. Right. I don't have any clue about any of this. I'm not stating any opinion. I'm asking you. What I think of the place. What's what's this all about? This place is there's something very, very special about this place and Without going into like, you know, like th these fantastical ideas, if you like to look at it kind of objectively is what I would try to try to say to that. And along with the theory and staying true to the theory that we don't really know everything about the place yet. It's still tell me your opinion. Right, exactly. But taking that on into consideration, there's something very special about this place. People come here. Is that just in our heads or in no, reality? No, no. People, and I'll tell you, we, when you talk about people coming here and their lives changing dramatically over a year and people coming here to find themselves, that's like a sociological phenomenon. I understand that. And we could attribute that to whatever. But if you start thinking about like, 
the fact that there are electrical electric electromagnetic fields and grids that exist on the planet Earth with marked and recorded intersections of energies and whatnot. And you start to look at like the fact that this is the only coastline in this hemisphere that right off of this line of latitude where whales come from the north and the south to procreate and breed is right off of our coastline here. You also have centurions uh, that exist here and there's just a like a, 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 a history to this area. It's blue zone coast. There's a recorded, you know, historical, his, historically sound ex, existence of, of not supernatural, but like extraordinary events occurring right here in this area. So it's an affirmative are. from you. There's, I 100%. Yeah. There's something, I'm not going to put a, a label on it. I'm going to say, but there is something different about this place than the next place down the line. Art, you know a lot about a lot of things, man. I appreciate you sitting down to explain <laughs> this stuff. I didn't understand much of what you said, but I got the general point, I think, on most of Good. it. <laughs> so we'll start there. That's a, that's a very humble statement. Um, I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> I <wanted> to, <laughs> I, it's more self-deprecating. Yeah, yeah, right. But that's how yeah. I feel. You're oozing so, humility. I appreciate it. I just appreciate you being willing to sit down and talk on camera. Cool. People tell me stuff constantly. I get messaged all the time. I get stopped all the time in the water, on the road, with people who have opinions. You not only started this when we met, really got closer over children's books, it turned to this, and there's just so many chapters to you. So thanks for doing this, man. I, nice. I appreciate it. It was a. Uh, it takes guts to speak with conviction on things that are uncertain, and you yeah. just did that. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. No, I. Um, I appreciate that. I really enjoy this. I. I have a degree in philosophy, and you know, I spent my younger years like studying that. I just. I just don't think, like I said, I just don't think we, we know, we can really know anything. M Martin Heidegger, okay, Martin Heidegger, who was a philosopher, had one theorem called in, his, in the advancement or the question concerning modern technology, he talked about uh, end framing. And it's the concept that we are moving along the human being is moving along at on a linear path and our technologies are advancing and it's pulling us the technology as we gain more and more information is pulling us further and further away from our original state this space in between our original state and where our technologies is putting us he calls the standing reserve of information so all the articles that you send me constantly is Adding inside of the, to standing. the standing reserve. As our technology progresses, we add to our standing reserve and the things that you believe now, you may think are complete hogwash in 50 years. That makes sense. Now to wrap things up though, getting back to Nosara. Sure. Are there any shout outs you want to give while you have this I, platform? I have to, of course. My wife, Andrea Vega Martinez, is doing uh, dance hall classes at the local gym. I'm sure that you've, they're probably throwing up a, uh, a flyer on the screen right now. Please give her a call, ladies. It's amazing. It's a, it's a female dance hall class. A lot of energy, a lot of creativity, a lot of sensuality. You're, you're, the men in your life will love it. 
<laughs> um, I also have to give a shout out to my father, um, Diego is how he goes by. He is the artist at the Nosara Art Gallery. You can go to nosaraartgallery.com. Our logo and information should be up on screen now. And um, he's been coming here for for over 40, 40, 45 years. He was here back in the day just after initial marriage on their honeymoon when there was nothing here. And now I ended up back here, and now he's back here with me. He's so, not just with you, but now his grandkids too. Yeah, now his grandbaby because my I have my my son. I got a um, Misael is my absolute. He's just magic. He's a, you know all to all the parents out there. They understand, and if you don't, you really will not know until you actually have one what it feels like. But um, he's my he's my joy, my soul, my love. And uh, he's it's the the board line that we've created. If you might have seen them in the water, is Musa Surf. Um, it's named after him. It's our designs with my father's artwork. We actually have it printed on fiberglass in San Diego. It, this stuff gets the high resolution photos printed on fiberglass in San Diego, shipped to Shea Boards in Tamarindo. That's where they shape the boards, and they're at the Nisar Art Gallery. So please come take a look at it. I don't know if you've been there yet either, but if you haven't, just stop in and say hi. And his studio is there too, which is pretty cool. Hey, congratulations on your success. Thanks again for hitting all these interesting, wacky, who the heck knows how to label them subjects. (laughs) I appreciate you, man. Thanks for doing this. All right, definitely. I'll talk to you soon, Rich.